Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnote. Kevin Foote on the game. As we've been doing each Monday, we're going to start off with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs. How are you, sir? Hey, Kevin. Good morning. I'm doing great. Well, happy late Easter to you. Happy Easter to you too, sir. So, you know, I I, I wrote a column after y'all had that, you know, series against App that didn't really go very well, and then the game against Tulane that didn't really go very well. And the previous week, Coach Glasgow was very upset, and they went a long way from home and went to James Madison and and swept. And you were kind of upset after the Tulane game, understandably so, and y'all went a long way from home and swept. Is there something to, all right, things aren't going real well, let's go on the road and get together? I mean, is there something to that going a long way from home in those scenarios? I think there is sometimes. I mean, you're uh, you're isolated in a bubble. You you trim the roster a little bit. It just kind of gets down to the to the heart of the matter a little bit. And and uh, you know sometimes it's an us against everybody else mentality on the road. And uh, this team for the last two years has enjoyed going on the road. And uh, we have a lot of fun together. We work hard. And it's, don't don't get me wrong. It's a business trip, but uh, we've uh, we've done pretty well. So. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from Marshall. They're a scrappy group. They're well coached. Uh, Greg Bills is going to do a great job. He's just got to get his guys in there, but he's got them playing hard and loose. And uh, we had to work for everything we got. Obviously, to me, I mean, y'all had some moments where you scored runs and put pressure on them and did what you did, what you do offensively. But to me, that weekend was about the starting pitching just you know, being what you want it to be, which you probably thought it would and could be, and uh, that that had to just be incredible to watch. I love it when you can get a great start and use one other guy, and uh, that's what we were able to do all three games. And, uh, you know, I wasn't happy after Tulane, and I actually said that. I'll pitch five, six, seven guys, and that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility. And you've got to be able to attack the strike zone and put guys away. And uh, that's what we did all weekend. Okay, so let's start with Jake. Was that was it more just his mind? You know, was it more just a mental obstacle that he he had overcome, or, or what did he actually do better on, on the mound than he had in his previous starts? There, there was no dilly dally. I mean, it was strike one, strike one, strike one, and. Uh, you know, he was a really good matchup against a very aggressive team. Uh, everything he throws is cutting, moving, uh, running. Uh, and so, hey, I'd had a, a talk with him, too. And, and uh, so credit to Jake. He answered the bell. The, um, you know, obviously we had seen Jackson pitch well at times. So I don't know that anybody was really surprised. And, and, and the few times that, Blake McGee is pitched. He's pitched well. It's just when you have so few innings, you don't really know what to expect. And yet, you, did did you get even more than you expected out of him in that outing? Talking about McGee? McGee, correct. Uh, you know what? I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, it's so stress-free. It's easy. It's real easy delivery. It's uh, very disruptive uh, on the timing of the hitter. And there's a lot of strikes. And 
Like I said, uh, one of the big keys this weekend is Marshall is so aggressive. Uh, a lot of times they're out within the first two or three pitches of an at-bat. And so that that definitely – and our pitchers pitch to that. Uh, they had them hitting their pitch all weekend, and uh, it definitely played into those guys being able to stay out there so long. Um, as far as – first of all, as far as the park, what was that like? Ah. Uh, it's seen its better days. Uh, it's a very, very uh, quaint, unique setting. It's uh, you can see where once upon a time it was uh, probably uh, you know something else. I mean, it was it's set in, in downtown. Uh, you know, West Virginia is not super big, and and I think Charleston might have the most populated city in the state at like fifty thousand. So. You can tell it's a hard-working blue-collar town, which I appreciate, and, and uh, it's kind of set in their downtown area, uh, sunken in a little bit. Uh, upkeep, they, they, they could probably do a better job, uh, whoever's in charge of that. Uh, but you can tell where it used to be a really nice ballpark. The other thing that happened over the weekend is they all had a nice day or two, and, uh, and Max – um, you know, had a what a three hit game and is starting to develop yep. some consistency. And those are the two of the guys you you needed to get going. And uh, I thought they both took huge strides this weekend. Well, we think about it this way. I mean, we've hovered around two ninety all year on base has been over four hundred all year. But just imagine if if uh, Vayon and Max had just two more hits a week, where we would be. And uh, I think that those days are coming. Both of them are in the midst of making a, an adjustment. And uh, I'm proud of the work they've put in and it's starting to show a little bit. So how how has um, – w- what's been the key for Max just to stay up? Because you know he's ultra competitive and, and you know you, you, no one wants to go through slumps and, and you know, be hit nine and then, you know, be all over the and, – and, and yet – it hasn't affected his defense, and he's hung in there, and now he's starting to reap the benefits. Just how has he gotten through it with his mental makeup? We've worked hand in hand. You know, I've stood by him, and and uh, he's trusted in me. And uh, the cool part about baseball, and and you know, which which makes it unique in a lot of aspects, is. He, he can focus on his defense, and uh, he's changed games with his defense. And now if we start getting his offense, if Max goes off, we're all going to go off. And, and uh, but he knows that. I'm proud of the adjustment he's made, and it's starting to show. He still has some work to do. Uh, but, boy, if this kid finished uh, the season living up to his potential, what a story that would be because the potential's sky high. So, obviously, best-case scenario is he keeps hitting and he stays in the leadoff spot. Is that the plan, or that that make, you know, if he keeps hitting, he could change? Best-case scenario would be he finishes with a bunch of doubles, triples, and jacks and continues to get on base and, and steal bases. And, you know, no matter where that's at, I'm liking him in the leadoff spot with the contact he's making now. I mean, because it's loud. Even his, louts, his, his outs are loud. And that sends a definitive message, uh, not only through the rest of our lineup, but into the, the whoever's on the bump for the other team and the deep and the defense as well. All right. So with what you did on the mound in West Virginia, you're back to a five game week. Or do you feel like you're pretty because of the weekend? You're pretty prepared for that five game week. 
think so. I mean, what we use six guys, and uh, there were some good ones that didn't get in. And so we've got two really tough opponents coming up here tomorrow and Wednesday in, in La Tech and, and Sela, uh and then a really good Troy team coming in. So uh, I love the team to stay day-to-day, but I can't stay day-to-day. I've got to plan out a little bit. And so that, that went a long way towards that, Kev. We, we, we thought I, – I think, I think we, we knew how deep the conference was when, before the race started – but I think it's even been more unpredictable than I was anticipating. I mean, it's really played out that way. I mean, we really don't. I mean, we've had teams that we thought were at the bottom that have competed very well in, in these games. I mean, it's been more up in the air than I thought it would be. I think that's college baseball in general right now. And if you just, you know, you get on D1.com and you look at the scores every night and there's always, you know, a handful that you go, wow. And, uh, that seems to be the norm, and and I don't think that's an outlier anymore. It's just there's a lot of parity in this game, and if you don't show up, everybody's got somebody, and uh, you know that's what makes it so intriguing and and so difficult at the same time. But these, but uh, I mean, I know you probably haven't done a deep dive in Detroit yet, but that, I mean, I know there's six and six in the league, but they got 22 wins. I mean, this is this weekend is as tough as any of them. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at what they did to us a year ago. And, uh, you know, we opened up conference over there and got swept uh, over there. And uh, granted, we could have won a couple of them very easily, but they, you know, credit them. They swept us over there. And fortunately, we were able to recover and get going and respond from that. But I think, you know, I know because it's already been mentioned. I mean, everybody in that clubhouse understands, you know, who Troy is and what they're all about. So. Is it fair to say that unless we have injuries, you're probably pretty set on your weekend rotation now? It's just a matter of getting totally locked in with a bullpen. Although, really, bullpen, there's always some adjustments to a bullpen, that, you know. But 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 it's a matter of getting more consistent roles, or is that not a major goal on your bullpen moving forward? I, I still think we're week to week, Kev. I think you got to earn it every week, and and. Uh... Granted, we'll stick with what worked last weekend. Uh, this week, uh, the only difference being Nezu will stay in that Saturday spot. Uh, you know, I want to keep him there. Just gave him, you know, left him on that Saturday, actually, to give him uh, his actual rest. But uh, that'll stay the same. And, you know, those guys got to earn it every day. And, uh, you know, every time out. And so I, I, I think they're – I know they're working their butts off and, and – uh you know, have done everything they can to to give us great performances and keep us in games and give us a chance to win every time out. I'm proud of them, uh, but that's those are spots that you've got to prove it every time you're out there. It's kind of like playing shortstop or uh, you know behind the dish or in center field. Those are all prove it to me positions. You got to earn it every day. All right, one more thing, Coach. Uh, in these these this five game week coming up, is there any chance that Toyt or DeBarge would play, or it's probably not till the following week? I'd be shocked if you didn't see Debo. You won't you won't see Toyt, but uh, Debo, I'd be shocked if we didn't. All right, well that 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 sounds great. Sounds like you've overcome. You know, it was a couple of rough spots in there, but you've overcome him being out. And uh, well, we're still growing. You know, we, we this team can still get better, and there's going to be 
struggle and without struggle there's no progress and that's my job is to make sure we continue to progress absolutely well look congratulations great weekend look forward to seeing y'all tomorrow all right thanks guys i'll see you this is footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on The Game. Well... Um, let's get started here again. We're broadcasting live from the FCO development studios in upper Lafayette. FCO development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction simulcast on stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS fiber. The game hotline is 337 706-0111, 337-706-0111. Uh, really not a lot. I mean, a lot's changed. We had the NBA season is over, but we've pl- got a lot of college baseball and softball's been played. A lot of Major League Baseball's been played since we last spoke on Thursday. But um, so any comments you have on any of that, we'll try to catch you up if you were kind of busy and not focused on sports necessarily over this holiday weekend. A lot of reasons to to not be focused on that. Things went very well for the Cajuns in baseball, as we just talked with Coach Deggs about. Went very well in softball. They got a sweep of South Alabama. Both teams are currently in first place. There, there's been some concern, that, and, and look, it's not over. We, just, we got a long way to go. That because Marshall doesn't play like South Alabama and the Cajuns, that their schedule was going to be so easy. But they did lose a game uh, to ULM on Saturday. And so you got to think, if they can lose to ULM, then somebody else can beat them, theoretically. Um, You know, the thought process was if the Cajuns slip up, you know, lose a game to Texas State maybe or lose a game to – you know, whoever, maybe maybe going in, you were thinking maybe they would lose a game to South Alabama, and it almost happened in game one. They almost kind of had a collapse there uh, in game one. But, and even yesterday, they won two to nothing, but they threw a girl out of the plate, and they got out of a bases loaded no out jam, and they won the game two nothing. So, um and, and so you feel like if you just keep playing, it, it's going to work itself out. Now, both teams have five game weeks. Cajuns, by the way, RPI looked again this morning. It stayed at 10. It was 10 going into the weekend. Uh, as of now, it's at 10. Baylor's RPI is 19. Texas A&M is 23. And then they play Texas State over the over the weekend, and their RPI is 39. Even though their record is not all that great, they still have a thirty, a top 40 RPI. So when you play three teams in the top 40, you know, I don't know if they can win all these games, but if they do, man, they might even go up even higher. 
And so uh, they're in good shape right now. Baseball, again, tied for first place with Coastal Carolina at 9-3. and three. They'll be playing um, two, two state teams. They'll play Louisiana Tech and in Southeastern on the road. And then they'll play Troy over the weekend, which we talked about, 6-6 six and six in the league. I think LSU baseball got a little bit of a break. I mean, when we talked to Koki on Wednesday, I think he was right about South Carolina. Like, they are on fire. And they they crushed LSU in the first game. And then in the second game, LSU did a great job, overcame deficits of 4 to nothing and 7 to 3 Two separate four-run deficits. They came back and won the game eight to seven, and then um, so you were just a hair away from losing both the first two games. I think they got a little bit of a break and didn't have to play the third game, but we'll never know that. So uh, LSU right now is seven and four in the league, and the way it's worked out is the the East has four teams better than anybody in the in the West. Kind of weird the way it's worked out so far, and. You know, Vanderbilt, they just, I mean, they've been so good in baseball for so long now. It's impressive what they do. They're 11-1. They're and one. and one of the things that's surprising, and, I've, you know, I have I didn't analyze their schedule, but LSU plays Kentucky this weekend after playing Tulane tomorrow. Kentucky's 18-1. What are they doing uh, outside the league? So they're 9-3 and three in the league and, um, you know, right there with a lot of teams. So it'll be um, – It'll be interesting to see how um, how, how that play, plays out. And I don't know that anybody expected to have LSU to have four losses right now, but they do, and we'll see how it goes. You know, we don't talk much about softball, but it could certainly impact the Cajuns down the road. LSU softball won two out of three over the weekend, and they are now 6-6 six and six in the league. And their RPI is still really good. Um, but they're, they, are, they are in a three-way tie for seventh with Florida and Alabama. Think about that. LSU is in a three-way tie for seventh with Florida and Alabama. I mean, Alabama was so good for so long. In the last year and a half, it's just not been typical. And so just um, all things to consider. Pelicans had a very disappointing loss yesterday. You know, when we talked with Nick on Thursday – I asked him straight up what he thought about that matchup, and he didn't like it. You know, he didn't think that was a good matchup for the Pels. And yet, late in the game, you felt like they should have had. I mean, they were fighting amongst themselves. And you, 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 as a Pels fan watching that game, you have to be thinking, well, this is a good sign. And then it ended up not happening. And... um losing the game. And so now you got to do some yeoman's work of, of winning two games to, to get into the, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's the playoffs, but that's why they call it play in. It's kind of, you know, it is what it is, but uh, you got a lot of work to do to, to earn the right to get into the final eight in the conference. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it, it It's, it's we've been going from week to week. Some weeks it's real positive, some weeks it's negative, and right now it it seems pretty negative. But if they win these two games, then you're gonna feel all positive again. Kind of the 
Yeah, really I think it's more negative than yeah, positive. Yeah, oh no, it's negative right now, no question. Yeah, and, and you know we had Christian Clark on RP3 and Company, and he mentioned that Zion's apparently been declining to speak to the media. They've been trying to make him available um, at practices, and he hasn't been. He's been choosing not to speak. So that adds another layer to what's a weird been a weird situation in which he goes out with a hamstring strain on january the second and you assume okay worst case maybe two months and now we're looking at i mean it's been it's april the 10th and he's still not back and so it's like more than three months removed from a hamstring strain i mean not a torn not a not a broken bone not a torn anything a strain and you're playing your biggest games of the season and he's still not a part of them so more negative than positive for me coming out of that that camp. Oh no, I, absolutely. And again, I I wouldn't over. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I guess it's always nice to say you're going to hear what they have to say, but most of what they're going to have to say in press conferences is a lie anyway. So I wouldn't worry about whether he speaks or not so much as like just because he could speak and you still not really have any idea what's going what's going on behind the scenes. I mean they're they're not going to overly reveal anything. So I wouldn't worry about that part as much as man it's just and and it's even worse cuz if you're I mean I would think most people who are Pelican fans or Saints fans too and we're dealing with this same thing with Michael Thomas like we talked about this a couple a month or so ago like who else is having to deal with this now i'm not i don't live and die with the pelicans but it's like in new orleans you have two professional franchises and you have these two great players that never play like seriously is there any other city in america that that, that has happened to in the last like you have two elite players and they never play it really is unbelievable. Really is unbelievable. Uh, a lot of st- obviously still very early in Major League Baseball, but there's something that I've been explaining to people. Anyone who wants to listen in recent years will see if if Dawson learned uh, in a very short time that he's been on the show. It's a public service. Why are the Rays nine and zero, Dawson? Do you remember? Well, I know what you're going to say is the reason that they're 9-0, so you can go ahead and say it. They're smarter than everyone else. That's yes. why. I mean, you have to understand that going Which in. Which I would, I would agree. They're smarter the than everyone yes. else. It's un- But, like, what they're doing to teams right now is, like, Little League stuff. I mean, it's... Well, it's, that's going like to come back. Th- they're, messing, they're making the Piper mad. I don't, no, know what, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why they're doing that. I don't... I never understand. That's one thing you say that I don't... The whole scoring too many runs one day, it has no impact on the next day. Oh, well, that's just silly. No. That, it's simple math. <laughs> no, it no. Okay. It's simple math. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, to not understand... I don't understand yeah. how people, like, don't understand it. It's simple math. Do, okay. Is a team that scores 12 runs now... Are they more likely to score less than 12 runs the next day because that's theor- that's just probability? Yes, but is the fact that they scored 12 runs the day before have any influence on their likelihood of scoring runs the next day? No. If Absolutely, anything- it does. No, yes. if anything, it's the other way around because your no. hitters are seeing the ball well. No, no, has nothing to do with it. No, <laughs> no, no it has I, nothing we're... to do with it. You, now, the, there, are, there are, I guess you could argue some exceptions like – you know, they had a minor league game over the weekend where a team got no hit and scored seven runs. 
Yes. And so if you do a, a version of that, in other words, you score a bunch of runs without getting hit, then yeah, if, if the team walks you 12 times and throws 75 wild pitches, it, it really has nothing to do with how many runs you score. Now, we say that just because that's the that's the upfront thing. But you a, a team that is hitting, say, 270, when you hit 400, you can't keep hitting 400 because you're not a 400-hitting team. You're a 270-hitting team. And so if you're a 270-hitting team and you hit 400, then that means you're going to hit 230 pretty soon because you're really a 270-hitting team. No, I yes. just know that's no, not that how is it how it works. No. Yes, and it worked. It it's always worked that way. No. It's, always. I I would like to see some real concrete data. You you, you don't you you're going to. So you think all of a sudden you you are a four hundred and eighteen? No, but that doesn't. But the day to day doesn't make it any more or less. No, likely it does. That the next day is going to be a regression to the mean. It does. And like. Part of that 270 average that the team hits is is because they there are going to be a few days where you hit well above that and a few days where you hit well below that. Right. But that doesn't mean that when you have one of the good days that you're guaranteed to have one of the bad days. Well, no, afterwards. nothing's a guarantee. You're you're or you're more, much more likely. I don't think so. If, if you get if you get um now again, we're talking uh professional baseball. Yeah. I'm not talking, you know, like the 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 baseball equivalent of John Curtis versus Mamu here. I'm talking about professional LCB, baseball. Thirty nine and zero right now. Um, but even in in college, if you get if you have games where you get 16, 17, 18 hits, it's gonna be very difficult. It's very difficult to to follow up on that. It's very. Difficult. I agree that it's difficult. What I disagree about is that that has any influence. Well, why did, why is it not- difficult then? Because it's you're not like it's difficult to do that consistently, right? Exactly. But the fact that it happened doesn't make it any less likely to happen. Of course again. it does. No, it does. Yes, of course it does. It happens all the time. It's like you never want to throw a no hitter ever, unless it's like Game Seven of the World Series, because there's a natural letdown when you celebrate. There's a natural letdown. It's not a coincidence. That the two World Series teams from last year started out three and six. It's not a coincidence. There's a natural letdown. And and, and it just goes against the way that we think as a sports society. For instance, I'm looking at the Astros next three weeks. Uh, Astros are not playing very well at all right now. Now they're, They're doing what I asked them to do. Just don't get swept. That's all I ask right now. Just don't get swept. They haven't gotten swept. Now, they took it to game three of a series twice, which I don't really like, but that's okay. They they, they didn't get swept. They're playing like right now, the, the Pirates are hot. You want to play a hot team because they're due to lose. You don't want to play a team that's lost like six or seven in a row. You never want to do it. It's the same kind of – it's not exactly, but it's the same concept. Like the Astros are fixing to play the Rays. I hope the Rays are sixteen and zero or whatever when the Astros play them. I want. I hope they win every game until then, because it's hard to continue to win at that. So, pace. Some of that stuff, I'm on. I'm on board a little bit. Same I, logic. It's the same thing. It's it's a it's about the piper will be paid. 
So, like, you, you would rather see a guy... You don't want to see a guy go four for four. You'd rather him go two for four because you know he's not going to go four for four. So he's probably going to go zero for four the next day. Well, I don't know about zero for four, but he's not going to go for four for four again. Right, but it, it, it's like if it's the ninth inning. But if he, okay, if it's the ninth inning of a game, and I got and the other team has the tying run at second base, I want the guy who's four for four up. I don't want the guy who's zero for four at the plate because oh. the guy for four for four chances are he's not getting a hit. Because very few people get five hits is. in a game. Yeah, but I mean, if I, so you'd rather face uh, Mike Trout because you you know he would go. He well, I'd like I'd face Mike Trout in a crucial situation anytime because he don't he right. rarely gets it done in that situation. He had an RBI walk yesterday, down by two with two outs. He saw that, but then Shohei grounded out to end the game. Um, but the Astros just know how to get Mike Trout out. What I'm saying, I, I remember, I don't know why, just certain examples, and I'm on my Astro chat group, and this was like three years, four years ago, maybe five years ago. And they were playing the Giants on the road. And uh, what's the kid from Florida State, the great catcher? Buster Posey. Buster Posey was up. And he had gotten either – he was either three for three or three for four. He had 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 a great game. And I'm like – they walked the guy before, and I said, they said, oh, no, Buster Posey. I said, no, that's who you want up. And, of course, he grounded out to the pitcher, game over, Astros win. I'm like, that's just – I don't know. People just think differently. They don't think that way. Yeah, just no, disagree. I agree. But I just, I don't think, and it's fine for you to think that way, but I don't think there's actual data that would back oh, up no. that it's better to face no. a guy. Who, no, it's I better to face a guy who's hot than a guy who's, now, I'm not talking about a bad hitter. Right, I, I know, yeah. I'm talking about a good through. hitter who's 0 for 4. I Yeah, I, I get that. But also there might be some, like, it completely is circumstantial. Like maybe he's not seeing the ball well right now. Like that's sometimes it's not like baseball is just this. Like, well, sometimes I get up and I get hits, and sometimes I get up and don't. There are slumps and hot streaks that sometimes have to do with adjustments that are being made. So like I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not like fully off board with the line of thinking, but I don't. I am in no worried. Oh, that we scored 12 runs today. Well, that sucks. We're not going to score tomorrow. I, I wish we'd have scored only seven. So that oh, we well, that then you no, that's I, just clueless. Then. I, I mean, you just you just not paying attention. That's just not paying attention. But that's okay. We went way too long. But that's okay. We need we need to have these. We need to be uh, on the same page going into the summer because I mean it, it's um it, 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 it's we we need to get these kind of d- uh, discussions out of the way. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline once again is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. We had us a little. Yeah, no, and I, I, I've got more. I've got, like, thoughts about it. Okay. Um, I Now, this might be one of those projects that gets put on hold till the summertime when things kind of really slow down and we don't have, you know, as much NBA, college basketball, right. or college baseball, all that. But I did. I have a little experience in coding and like back and kind of creating some statistical models. I will do my best, and if I have to get help from some of my friends who are engineers, I will. We're going to create a model, and we're going to test, 
And the theory is going to be, we, we, and you can be involved with the parameters of the, of the discussion, like whether it's does scoring 10 runs impact, and we'll, we'll do a study about the next day or the next few days or whatever it is after you score runs, whether it makes you more or less likely to score above, below, or at your average score. Right. Runs. We'll put that together because I want to know, and maybe, and look, if you're proved right, then I will. The, the other thing that I'm just convinced of from just watching it, and I wish, and I, you know, we have all these analytics, so we should be able to figure it out. I am just convinced that the on-base percentage after caught stealing is like from, 800. Yeah, well, from, you know. I, I mean, and it's I, and just we, unbelievable. And I I get upset with the Cajuns, and, you know, I, I try to hold it back because I know Coach Deggs knows what he's doing offensively. It's about putting pressure and creating errors and stuff, and it works a lot, but... Yeah, no, it's it. It seems like every caught stealing, you get a base hit right. The after next guy walk either walks or, or yep. something. They they get on base, right? And I would also, again, like I, my analytical background would tell me that we would probably be proven wrong in that instance. But I would like to see it. So Man, I'll put those just, two things. It's unbelievable how often when we get to the summer and all there really is going on is Major League Baseball. I will I will throw now. Some what I don't think happens nearly as often as we think is when a guy makes a great defensive play, he leads off the next inning. I don't think that happens near. <laughs> I think that's just something that we pointed out when, when it, it happens. happens, and we don't think about it when it. Well, doesn't I happen. wonder if that's the same case with the guy who gets caught stealing. Though no, I, mean, I don't think so. No? I, I it's unbelievable how often that next guy gets on. It it just constantly amazes me. Um, it's uh, it's frustrating, and for the people who don't like the stolen base, they probably say, "You see," and that's why they don't do it because it happened in softball over the weekend where they kept getting caught stealing, thrown out, and then the next girl would hit a home run. They're like, "Oh, we could have had an extra run there," but you also create a lot. Um, on the basis if if you still and look both baseball and softball are like that they both run a lot and they both get caught a lot of course if you're a team who's not a great offensive team like a South Alabama you know there's also a lot of situations where they don't run but they don't score any runs either so I don't know I guess it probably creates more than it than it detracts all right let's go to the game hotline hello Good morning. Good morning. Um, foot, finally, somebody to challenge you and your um, whacked out theories. <laughs> well, they're not whacked out. I mean, I live them all the time. I see it and, and I just chuckle every time it happens. But, Foot, the reason I call is uh, now, I don't know how you feel about this, and I'm, I haven't been listening too often, but. Um, last week or maybe on the weekend, there was a baseball game that came in under two hours, um, major league game. And um, on my way back from Alabama, they had some guys on the radio show talking about they didn't like it, you know, complaining because a major league baseball game finished in, finished up under two hours. Well, he, 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 well he, 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 I could get it. Okay. He, uh, here's the deal. Let's say you pay $50 to park, you pay $200 for the tickets, and you go to the bathroom or concession stand and you pay whatever, 15 bucks there, and then you miss an inning or two. By the time you sit down, it's time to leave. Then you know, you know, you. I can kind of get that. 
Like, well, man, I didn't get my you. bang from my that buck. That isn't on the game. I'm sorry? I said that's on you, the consumer, and that isn't on, on the product itself. The product is just moving along the way it should be moving along now with these new rules in, in, you know, in, in place. No, I, I think they're work. I'm just saying I can see why someone might start thinking that. If we have – I, I don't think there's anything wrong with two hours, 30-minute games. I think that should be the goal, and I think that's good. But if we start getting consistently a bunch of what I call Tom Browning games where you got games that last under two hours, I think people will start complaining. I, I don't think it's good to have that many games under two hours. I think 230 is a good is a good number around then. I'm not the biggest baseball fan, and yeah, you know, um, well, watching baseball in general, I should say, because it it it, it can be brutal watching a baseball game. Well, and, and uh, you know, honestly, especially it, it, if you're just a casual fan. Well, yeah, if you're a casual fan, I mean, I. The Astros can last seven hours or 20 minutes, and it, none of it is brutal to me. But, I mean, again, I'm a diehard fan, so I get it. I get it. All right, but I'll uh, let you get someone else. Have all right, thanks day. for the call, sir. No, I, I think every once in a while, one of those 157s, but I do, uh, in fact, we had that discussion over the weekend. I do think if you start getting too many of them, under two hours, people will start complaining. It it'll go too far in the but that's not gonna happen. That 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 only happens when you have a to, a team that does kind of like what Coach Degg said uh Marshall did, where they swing on the first pitch a lot. Uh not everybody's gonna do that. So I, I don't think it's gonna become a problem, but I get why someone might think me. I just sat down and the game's over already. We'll take a timeout and be back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in, try to do so again. We have no interviews today. Now that Coach Deggs is, is at the top of the hour, the first hour, um, hotline open for the entire second hour. And so... Um, you know, certainly lots, to, again, to talk about. Major League Baseball. And look, folks, we are now, we are three, de- three days away from being two weeks away from the NFL draft. So it's coming. It's coming. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Call. Oh, my Rays got y'all fired up this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but why y'all sc- – I know you're playing a, a triple-A team, but, man, I, and look, I understand how few runs you scored last year, but uh, this 11 nothing stuff's getting out of hand. Man, look, it's and it's crazy, though, because, like, it's happening, like, either – it's happening in bunches and it's happening, like, three straight innings. So, like, the, I think it was uh, – it was either – no, it wasn't yesterday's game. It was um, 
game two against the A's, where we couldn't we couldn't put the ball in play in the for the first three innings, and then we got to the fourth inning, and all of a sudden the bats woke up, and then it just never stopped. But I don't know about y'all, but this scoring stuff is fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's fun <laughs> while it lasts for sure. But but. You know, what's so sad is, well, it's not sad. He's in my division. They're in my division, so it's not that sad. But it's like I'm telling people, I was ranting and raving last week about, look, we don't know anything yet. But we know But if you're an A's fan, you know. Like, I mean, you know, one year the Astros started out. Y'all are 9-0. One year the Astros started out 0-9 and still had a winning record. But, like, the A's, there is no hope. I mean, they're just – I, I, I mean, can't even imagine being it's, a, it's an A's fan right now. I mean, you know, as a, as someone who's a who's been there <laughs> with the Rays, um, it's definitely not a not ideal to to open a season and really have no hope. And I mean, you're just literally just trying to have, as you say, have as many good days as possible. Um, but my question is, what are you supposed to do? Like, do you literally just not score? Do you intentionally make no, it out? No, it, there's nothing that you can do. Now, again, there are guys like El Pedro Grande is just next level. Like, I've noticed that that cat grounds into a double plate when we're scoring too many runs. And I'm like, man, this guy is so incredible. He knows when to ground into a double play. <laughs> now, I mean, it's just unbelievable. But, but basically, there's nothing you can do. You just, as a fan, you just, you just so cringe funny. and you brace for what's about to happen. And you just hope you pitch really well the next day. Well, and that's, and that's the thing for the Rays. Like, we know, hey, look, coming in, we're going to be able to pitch and we're going we're gonna to play defense. And the thing is, when, both, when, uh, when all things come together, then, you know, again, we're playing against, it's early and we're playing against, you know, bad baseball teams. But we tried to lose in, in game two, the second game of the season against the Nets. We were, we were losing in the ninth inning and then we scored five in the ninth to win. I mean, it's just, I mean, that was the game I thought, you know, hey, look, baseball is like, this is a baseball game. Right? We're going to lose. Our pitch, we didn't pitch that great. You know, we didn't play great defense. But the thing is, Juan DeFranco, all these national experts, you know, the Rays don't have a hitter. They, you know, they, like, it's like this guy went from being wonderful to just, you know, a bum. And, you know, yeah, apparently he's taking it personal, too, because – I mean, man, he is just man. He's awesome. Well, I'm glad he's on my team. He is. No, no he, he he he's really good. Now, again, you know, I, I still don't know how 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 much you're gonna get out of Jose Siri looking forward, but maybe so. But he got hurt. He's on the IL. He hurt his hamstring. That's, oh, the, that's, that's true. the thing. We can't stay healthy. It's it's just nonstop. Now, again, tonight's gonna be tough because. It's you know it's the it's the fifth person you know fifth man in the rotation, and he was so awful that they've already decided after one start. Look, we're going back to the open until Glass now comes back. I mean, now who do you play? Who do you play tonight? Especially right-handers. So we played the Red Sox tonight, and you know their their lineup is pretty much right-handers. So they're not starting, and we're, we're start we're going with an opener tonight. So you know it could come to an end tonight. Um, but man, I, I've definitely enjoyed. This has been this has been the best two weeks of a uh, major league baseball I've had in a long time. <laughs> All right, hey, <laughs> well, there. y'all guys have a great Take day. Take care. Uh, that's our friend Eric, and uh, look he he's been a Rays fan from day one, and the first 
however many years, ten years, it was it was not pretty. I, I mean, he used to sit there before the TV, before you could get stuff on TV a lot. You know, he used to sit there and watch the pitch by pitch. And I'm like, oh, just don't do this to yourself. And uh, and 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 then they got to where they're smarter than everyone else. So he's won a lot of games, won a lot of games, had a lot of injuries, no question. Uh, but no, they they've they're they're playing well early, and to his like hit you know they've been playing the Nationals in the A's, so they've not been playing great teams. But it's still it's baseball, and some teams just don't get off to good starts, and and other teams do. And he's um you know you get as many wins as you can while you can get them, and we'll see what happens long term. All right, that's it for our number one, our number two to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcasts on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337 on this Monday. And again, we still kind of unpacking bags and Trying to uh, from a busy weekend, we didn't have a show Friday on Good Friday, and um, a lot of college baseball, softball. If you would like to discuss uh, Major League Baseball, it's you know the the newness is kind of starting to wear off from the new season. It was great to see Hunter Brown pitch great yesterday. The Astros haven't pitched great or hit great. They they haven't. You know, they're not playing at a very high level right now. It's extremely early. I mean, extremely early, obviously. Um, And again, all I ask is don't get swept. And so far, the Astros have obeyed, and they have done that. And so I'm good. I'm good with where the Astros are. Obviously, if you keep playing like this forever, then it's not going to end up very well, but do I really think that they're only going to win four out of every 10 games all year long? No, I don't think that. And so just about every team, even a team that does as well as the Astros did last year, every team has a week where they only win, where they go four and six. It's just when it happens in the first 10, then people start, um, you know, panicking. Yeah, It's no, no reason to even think about that right now. But again, the the key is avoiding sweeps, and they've done that so far. And um, I I have they're they're going to play the Pirates tonight. I have not seen it, but apparently there was this big um, deal commotion brawl with Nelson Cruz. I mean, um, O'Neill Cruz getting injured and breaking his ankle. So that that was not good for the Pirates. Yeah, and I I didn't I saw the I saw the play I saw the brawl. I I didn't really understand like where the brawl came from other than maybe the catcher kind of looking over there but like it was O'Neill Cruz slid way late I mean it was on him it was a mistake and it's unfortunate he actually broke his ankle he's probably gonna miss the rest of the year that's very unfortunate but 
Like, it wasn't like an instance of a dirty play. The catcher gave him a lane, and, and it looked like he just kind of maybe got caught in between thinking he didn't have to slide. Maybe he didn't think the play was going to be close. Um, and then, of course, you know, I mean, it was a classic baseball scrum. Everybody come out, and nobody does anything, and we're yeah. back. But very unfortunate because he's one of the real talented players and, and kind of one of the big bright spots on what's probably going to be a not very good Pirates team, and now they're going to be without him. And he's kind of, I mean, he's like a freak of nature, athletic talent, no question there. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning, sir. Well, Kevin, you know, I, I still think you got one of the best rotations and not the best rotation in the game. But huh, let me tell you about when Glass now comes, Tampa Bay got a good rotation there too, cuz. Oh, no question. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, you know, it's sometimes something like the Astros are one of them. Sometimes when players leave, go to a team, they, they could pitch somewhere else, be kind of be all right. But when they get to a certain organization, they become better. Zach Eflin's looking like he's a, 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 the best pitcher on earth now. And he was nothing with Philadelphia. And then you, you, you put him with McClanahan, Spring, Rasmussen. And that's a, that's a pretty strong rotation there. They, they, I, I mean, I, I, I still reserving, I'm still reserving uh, my judgment on Zach Eflin. I, you know, he, he's got a lot to prove. But, no, I think those other guys are good. I mean, McClanahan's proven. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. There's no arguing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean how about what Jeffrey Springs is doing? Look, that guy was pretty good last year, too. I mean, he, he I knew he was fixing to take that next step. And then Rasmussen's pretty good, too. I mean, look, when Rasmussen comes, that's going to be four really good pitches there. They're going to be able to throw at everybody. I know, I know the Nationals, when uh, McCullough comes, they're going to have uh, four or five real good ones, too. But, man, Tampa Bay, well, well, Kevin, how long do you think they're going to run away with that division? Because I really think that division's not that good. Oh, no, I don't think they're going to run away. Now, it would not surprise me if they won the division, but, no, I do not think they're going to run away with that division, no. No, because I don't believe their hitters are that good, no. And, Kevin, going back to the, going to the Cajuns, that, that was real, really promising to see the three starters all get quality starts this weekend. No, that was, that was tremendous. That's what you need. And, um, you know, again, I, my questions going into the season largely were about the bullpen and still have those questions. And so, to Coach Deggs' point, it's great when you can go 7-2, you know, uh, or 6-3, and, and and that's just tremendous, and that's the way to go, and hopefully they can do that more often. Yeah. Well, all right, y'all have a good day. All right, take care. Now, also to Coach Deggs' point, it was kind of a little bit of a perfect storm. Like, he said that more than once, that – Part of the reason why they're able to do it is that Marshall is an aggressive team. You're not going to face that all the time. And in other words, they had a lot of one and two and three pitch outs. And so, you know, you know, sometimes you're going to be able to enjoy that, but a lot of the times you're not. And so some teams are going to hit more foul balls with two strikes. Some teams are going to just get ahead in the count because they're a little more patient early in the count. And so you're not always going to get that, but when you can, and and you're certainly not going to, you know, I don't know that it's going to become a regular thing that every starting pitching for a while now goes five and six and seven innings. I mean, uh, not five, but six and seven innings when they, when they start, but 
If you can get one or two, it still helps every weekend. Um, and and limit what you need to get out of your bullpen, uh, especially going to five-game weeks. I, I'm not a huge fan of five-game weeks. I'm just – I'm not. Um, that, But, you know, we'll see how it – how they handle it, and and as we talked about with Coach Deggs, they're a little more prepared because they didn't overwork the pitchers. But it's just, um, I think the biggest thing out of the weekend, obviously, the starting pitching, the FedEx man's point, and that's what we led our interview with Coach Deggs with. But you know, you got to give him credit; he has stuck with Mac, Max Morshock from the beginning, and he struggled, and he struggled, and he struggled. And it hasn't affected his defense. He was right about that. And now he's starting to get hits and get on base. And he and he stuck with Bayon, and he struggled, and he struggled. And now he's starting to drive the ball a little bit and get on base. So to to Coach Deggs' point, if those guys start being consistent like he envisioned them being at the beginning of the year, well, then the offense will be even better, especially once the Borsch comes back. So – whether it's baseball or softball, things are you can start to see. And look, we're in the second half of both seasons. So, you know, you need to start seeing some of that. Um, like on the softball side, I mean, I, I still think there, there's an issue there in that you got to play Laney in Crater in the um, – you have to. And so, but what do you, she's still a DP. Like, you could play her at first some. You could play her in right some. But the thing about softball is that you can reenter, and so it helps you to do that. Um, but other than that, like, your lineup's kind of set. I mean, all red is proven that she's consistent. Um, the 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 it seems like they're kind of set with Stormy at third. I think a lot of people are still kind of wondering about that, how that's going to go, defend from a defensive standpoint, how that's going to last long term. But but I mean, you're kind of playing well with her third, so I think you just stick with it. Now the shortstop thing remains kind of a little bit of a revolving door. I still think Maddie is the best long term for this year. I'm not talking about long term, like two and you know a year or two down the road, but I'm talking about. I think Maddie's the long term for now, for this season at shortstop. But we'll see. I I know she you know she hasn't made every play, but man, I just think her hands are so good to me that if you just if she plays consistently there, I think she will get more consistent. I just you can just see it. She has so much range and her hands are so good. But um now she's got to start hitting. I mean, she she's had you know, a double here and there, but she's not hit anywhere near as good as consistently as she did last year. So that's got to happen, but she's certainly, you know, more of a presence at the plate than Cecilia is right now. So uh but yeah, the good thing is you can start to see um, how it's playing out long term here, no question, and that that that's that, that that's a good thing. And um, man, 
the softball has a really big five-game week like we talked about earlier. The – go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it's – Laney, like – Laney and Allred have kind of been the saving grace of this offense, right? And, and, oh, it's, and, and Carly. Well, of course, and Carly's yeah. been consistent. But but that's really a – think about that 2-3-4 right now. It's yeah. really powerful. And and Laney, I mean, it's she's over 500 and she's got 50 at-bats. So it's to the point now where it's not like it's this hot week. Same with Allred now, hitting 400 essentially with 60 at-bats. So now where would you be without him? But then again, that's kind of why you went into the season with the roster as deep as you thought it was. I uh, just took them a little bit of time to figure out maybe who the who the everyday hitters needed to be, and as we've talked about, Coach Glasgow's always going to side with offense, so they're going to be in the, and and they have to be when you're hitting. It's not like they're having good, you know, they're hitting well, like they're hitting unbelievably well right now. Right now, the other thing is, if we took a poll of every fan and everyone who cares about Cajun softball, how many people would have had Crater and All Red at the beginning of the year? Not As many. the top two, three hitters. Not many. Not many. And so I understand the frustration that a lot of people have about the fact that Coach Glasgow doesn't play an everyday lineup and it's all this movement. And, and, and for some people, it drives them crazy. But let's be honest. If you're one of those people who were, quote, unquote, it drives me crazy. I get it. You know, again, like I've said, if – you know, with the Astros, I kind of like a set lineup as well. But how many of you who didn't like the way he was doing things for the first half of the season or most of the first half of the season, how many of you really, if it was up to you, would have had Crater in all red? I, I, I think if you were honest, the vast majority would not have had those as two of your top three or four hitters. And so sometimes you just got to let stuff play out. And that's what Coach Glasgow has done. And it Kind of worked. Kind of worked. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day... Every day, you're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. The Game Hotline, 706-0111, if you would like to get in. Again, mostly the Game Hotline is open on Mondays as we have reaction from the weekend. We've mostly been local. There was one national story that came up over the weekend that was kind of hard to figure out. Odell Beckham Jr. is signed. Well, it wasn't hard to figure, if, you know, from a money standpoint. I mean, when you have all the question marks surrounding Beckham right now and you have someone that's going to give you 15, maybe 18 million for a year, you take it. So I don't, I don't. 
from a financial standpoint, it's not real difficult to figure out. Um, from a football standpoint, I, I don't I don't know how the, all that's going to work. I think a lot of people are now assuming that that means that Lamar Jackson and Odell have communicated and Lamar has assured Beckham that he's going to end up signing and 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 he's going to be the quarterback of the Ravens for this one year at least and and so everything's going to turn out great. You know, I If I again from a financial standpoint there's no arguing. I don't know if there's anybody else. Maybe there is, but I don't I can't believe there's very many teams that are willing to give him that kind of money cuz he, he just has been hurt too much. Um but again, even when Lamar even when Lamar was playing great, I certainly don't want to defend him, but that don't mean the the pat his number one priority is still to tight in. The receivers haven't, you know, very few receivers have just lit it up. And, and I just don't think all those receivers were terrible. I just think that's kind of how their offense works. And again, it's effective. It's just not always great for premier wide receivers. So, I don't know. We're, 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 we'll see, I guess, in time. If the assumption that's being made right now, and it's a logical assumption, that that means that they've communicated and he's assured them that he's coming. They were on FaceTime. Um, there was something on Twitter. <clears throat> so apparently they have at least been in contact. Yes. what it sounds like. But, yeah, that, again, does that mean, like, I I don't know. I thought the signing, like, yeah, it's a nice little signing and there's some upside there, but it's not like it changes the problems that the Ravens have had at the receiver position. And again, to your point, like, I, I've, I've gone back and forth on it because partly, yeah, they haven't done a good enough job getting him receivers around him. But also, again, the offense they run makes it very difficult for receivers to thrive. Yes. So so which one is more? And, and I, I, it's probably both. There's definitely could have been better receivers. I thought it was weird how quickly they gave up on Hollywood Brown when he kind of somewhat emerged but had some injuries and they trade him away. But, yeah, I don't know if the Odell Beckham Jr. signing means everything's all good in Baltimore with Lamar. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I don't know if that's, like, the end of this story. What a what a just – I don't know. It just – I guess we all had this perception for so long, and I don't know that it was a false perception, just how stable everything was for so long. You didn't necessarily want to have that offense. Like, I never really wanted that offense. I never wanted to face it either, though. I mean, but you always thought, even though, you you know, there's always a lot of difference of opinion about Lamar's skill set as a passer, you, there was always this, man, the, the Ravens are just, just – almost model organization in terms of consistency and the front office and all of that. And now it just seems like I'm not going to say they're a mess because it's they're not like the Raiders or, you know, some of these other franchises over the years, but it just seems like they're in a messed up situation for sure right now. So I, I don't know how it's going to all pan out. And look, you know, like, um, like Rudy said, 
40 something years ago. He ain't no, they ain't no kin of mine, but, and so I'm not, it's just, it's just strange to watch at, um, kind of like the PR disaster they've become and it might all turn out to be great. And then on the backside of my mind, I kept thinking, you know, there were one fluke, fluke play of away from beating the Bengals with all of that. (laughs) I mean, one fluke play away from beating the Bengals with all of that. Crazy. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, bro. Good morning. Howdy, sir. First time I can remember in a while that I've seen the Ravens panic. And it shows you how important a quarterback position is. But, I mean, I don't get it. You sign a diva wide receiver to a run-heavy, run-oriented team it just seems like they're dangling the carrot in front of Lamar to make sure he comes back I, I'm I'm struggling to figure this one out to be honest with you uh, you said it they they had Odell uh, Brown they've had receivers just like I'm not as good as Odell granted but not as injury prone either and for them to give him 15 million for a one-year deal and him going there with no quarterback it's just the whole thing smells like a fish to me. It does. Now, again, it's one year. I mean, so we, you know, it's not like they're tying anything down, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, um, look, if it, it, is it impossible to work? Of course it's not impossible. It could work, could work great. But, um, but again, the, the here and now, the first issue is, if it means that Lamar's going to be their starting quarterback, then it might be worth it. Because if not, what? It, I know everyone's in love with Huntley, but I don't. I'm. I don't. I think there's a lot of assumptions being made too that he's ready to be uh, a year in and year out starter. Yeah, well, that whole situation's kind of blown up, and it's funny because the Ravens are one of the model teams that everybody wants to model their front office, you know. And this thing just is blown up so bad that it's kind of fun to watch. Um, I'm just glad it's not us. I'm like, okay, it's them with the problem, and I don't see a solution because I thought it reached a point of no return. And Lamar, I could see being hard-headed enough to sit out an entire season. No, he, he is. that. He he's he's a rare personality, and he is very strong-willed. And I, I was texting someone over the weekend. I said, I said that. I said, I mean, it very well could work out, but he's one of the few guys that if he set out an entire season, it would not surprise me. And I believe he's his own agent, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yes. So, I mean, that's another monkey wrench that you throw in. Is you, There's no middleman. So if you – normally if you got an agent and a team disrespects you or makes you mad, you've got the middleman in there to go and talk logic to you and say, look, it's let's do this, this, this. But if they disrespect him, it's now happening direct, which means yeah, it's he just, can easily it's, take it more personally as opposed to business. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that, again, we're only two weeks and three days away from the draft. You know, they've got to figure something out, I would think, to know even just to know who to draft. Because, you know, there are some people that are starting to think maybe they might be, drive Hendon Hooker. Yeah, he would be actually a nice fit. I could see him trading up and taking Richardson. I mean, that's a big leap, but that's, that's – I mean, it's hard to believe you could possibly upgrade Lamar Jackson, but as far as physical physicality, 
with the exception of accuracy issues, Richardson is a plug-in replacement. I mean, he's a kind of a project, and there's going to be. Oh, I don't know if he's a plug-in anything. I mean, I. So, but but well, he I mean, has so that he offense. has that skill a, set. In a run heavy but, offense, that's the perfect quarterback if you're going to draft one. But can you get high enough? Look, I'm seeing stuff where Richardson may go one overall, which is kind of before the combine. I had warned you. I said this guy's going to blow up the combine, and everybody's going to take the game film and throw it away. And all of a sudden, he's going to be the best thing since Cheerios just because of his measurables. But I mean, the guy can't hit the open receiver five yards downfield sometime, and that's a problem in the NFL. I think you got to be accurate first and foremost. But we'll see. It's it's fun watching the model programs getting held hostage. No, no team in the NFL is perfect, even though they want to try and make like they make the 49ers out to be this perfect organization, and the Ravens are one that's this perfect organization. The Patriots this perfect organization and you know it's fun watching them have issues because you realize there is no such thing as as long as you got egos and divas and players involved there really is no perfect situation it's uh you try and get a clean locker room with a bunch of smart people and take it from there but it's it's hard man in today's nfl it's really hard with guaranteed money and and these crazy contracts are signing but Look, on another note, my crack research team, only one team has drafted more defensive linemen in the last 20 years in the first round than the Saints, and that's the 49ers. So if if you're into trends, if you want a trend, and for the longest I'd said defensive tackle, right now I still think safety will be their first pick if Branch is there. But uh, if you want to try and trend something, the Saints, only the 49ers have taken more defensive linemen since 2002. So if you if you want to roll the dice, pick a defensive lineman, and your odds of uh, of coming up craps is pretty good. All right, so Thank, fun. We're, thanks, Joey. Close, Kevin. It's, we'll... Remember, Addy Tamawa, Addy Barre. We're we're getting better and better. I think we're getting time. better. Oh yeah, isn't that it? Uh, yeah, I think I, as I think that's I know, close. It's very yeah, I think it's very close. If it's not it, it's close. And, and, and you think? I mean, really? I think that has as good. Don't you think that's about as good of a guess as there is right now? Yeah, I mean, I I just don't know. I don't I don't ever like to. You don't like being surprised. I don't like feeling confident because that's where I know I've. Oh no, wrong. confidence! I'm talking about, you know. A 300 hitter getting a base hit. I yeah. mean, I, 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 I'm talking like, I mean, I would put it, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'd be like 30% chance of happening kind of a thing. Because some of these others, I just don't know. Like, the one of the real popular ones, everyone seems on the night, they all seem convinced that it's going to be this Keon Whitecat from, from Georgia Tech, and I just, way too many people are picking that for me. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think I'd rather the guy from Northwestern, but we'll we'll see. Take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. I was looking at the schedule to try to get like just next week cuz I'm sometimes um like when it deals with the with the with the Saints and the Astros, I I I I can in the NFL especially schedule watching is a is a dangerous thing and I've I've admitted that I'm I can be a bad schedule watcher. But I was looking at the schedule like LSU and softball is a, is playing Oklahoma. <laughs> like that is so strange. I mean, you you look at a game, you're like, they're playing who, when, why, where? I don't, I don't quite get that, but I'm not. I think it's great. I'm just kind of shocking. Um, scheduled to play them tomorrow while the baseball team is going to Tulane. Um, and again, I, I think that's tremendous too. Now Tulane turns out this year they're just. They're just not very good. It's like Louisiana Tech. I just don't know. I still have never. I mean, I haven't done a lot of research, but like, why is Louisiana Tech doing so bad this year? It's just you know they they were pretty good the last few years, and this year, I mean, I would never say it's bad for the Cajuns to schedule Louisiana Tech. I think it's great when they play in almost everything. Um. But for whatever reason, their 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 baseball team is struggling this year. It's um, now I know they had some. I mean, it almost would have made more sense that they would struggle more last year and the year before. But uh, maybe there's just a residual effect of all of that. Um, Good news is their RPI has recovered to the 143 mark, so not great, but not a team down around 200 to where it's not going to penalize you too much. But you got to beat them. Cajuns had a good RPI week. They went up like 20 spots. They're up to like 60. It was 67 the last I checked. I have it up live here. It is 67 still. So that's important because they were in the low 80s, high 80s, I should say. But what about Southeastern? Their their RPI is not as high as it normally is either. They're right around Louisiana Tech, I believe, or Nichols is 149. Southeastern is 124. UNO is actually 101. They're higher than they usually are, and so they're – the Southland is kind of weird this year. Again, we thought McNeese was, we thought McNeese and Southeastern were going to be the best two teams in that conference. Southeastern's three and six in conference play, uh, so it's just been kind of weird in the, in that conference. UNO beat Southeastern like twenty two to two the other day, and then I don't even know if they ended up winning the series. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's just scheduling is not easy. I think we all understand that, and. You know, I've said for years and years that the teams in Louisiana have an advantage because you don't have to go very far to play a good team. But while that's mostly still true, um, you know, when you schedule teams like Southeastern and Tech, you don't think it's going to hurt your RPI. You never really think it's going to hurt your RPI, but it actually might this year. Yeah, but and and they're still fine though. One being below one fifty or or you know above below better than one fifty. I think you're always going to be okay playing those teams. And like I don't the scheduling. I think always go play every Louisiana school. I I have no issues with any of that. The only thing from a scheduling standpoint, I was a little confused by this year is the high point series. Just kind of felt like a chance to maybe play somebody better than that. Um, and you know high point. Obviously, we talked about it at the time. 
not a great program or anything like that, and then you end up losing a game in that series, and so that hurts you. But like BYU, I mean, look, we had reason to think they were going to be pretty good. They haven't been very good, but that's I don't fault you know the scheduling process with the line of thinking there at all. Campbell was a very good team. You went out and scheduled them. Um, but again, yeah, it's not an exact science. And the other thing is people will, at, at the end of the season are going to sit back and go, look, at they had the 200-ranked non-conference. Well, again, you didn't know how bad a lot of those teams were going to be. But in the midweek, I think, yeah, play them all. I, I don't think you sit here and go, well, Tech's had a couple of down years. Maybe we don't play them this year. I think you just play them every year. And, and, and I'm fine with that. Now, I think they might have got a little fooled by – how good the RPIs were in the Sunbelt Conference last year, that wasn't really repeatable. But I mean, the Sunbelt, to its credit, and again, we've said now the, the difference here is that the our wonderful selection committees in college sports, they don't care how good the overall RPI is. If you don't have teams in the top 40, you're not getting at-large bids. Right. But the Sunbelt's still the fifth-ranked conference in, the, in, in America, ahead of the Big Ten, who's a quote-unquote power conference, ahead of Conference USA ahead of the Big West, ahead of the American Athletic Conference, like you're ranked but only behind the SEC, ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12. And that's still, you know, I, I checked it again, and that still stands. So the conference has been a lot better. It's just, for whatever reason, you don't have the top-heavy teams other than Coastal, who's been in the top 20. Well, again, I don't think anybody's as good as Texas State was last year. And maybe even Georgia Southern was last year. But... um Overall, I mean, it's the our, the team. But again, like you said, it, it it's nice to say you're fifth or sixth, but that doesn't mean you're going to get, you know, four teams. Although someone in the lot, there was a mock recently that had four teams from the Sun Belt in still. Yeah, I think I don't know how realistic that is. You've got five teams with twenty wins, and Southern Miss is at nineteen. So you can see it, but again. You're going to need the committee to then respect and value you beating each other in conference play. And historically, the committee has, when, it, when a conference like the Sunbelt has beat up on each other, they have just kind of disregarded everyone. So, like, if Coastal ends up with 9 or 10 losses but still wins the conference, or if UL ends up with 9 or 10 conference losses but wins the conference because of how deep it is, does that team get rewarded with an at-large bid, or does the committee just kind of— Usually not. Right. And so that's where you're hoping— to have a changing of the way that, that, that the conference is thought of, and I think you're on your way. Like I said, being ranked fifth in RPI, that's that's you're on your way to changing it, but I don't know if this year that's going to get rewarded the way it should. They, the committee doesn't go, okay, the SEC is the top-ranked conference, they get eight teams, the second-ranked team conference gets six teams. They don't do it like that. And and t- conferences below you, like the Big Ten, will probably get multiple bids. But I, I just wonder, to your original point, if – Cause they didn't they end up like fourth or fifth last year. It, it might have been. It was either fifth or sixth. I th- I think I can pull. And it up so right here. L- so let's say well let's just say it was fifth. So you say well they were the fifth rated conference RPI last year and they're the fifth or sixth. Let's say they end up fifth they were, this year. They were and sixth you, last year behind Conference USA. So if you say well. You know, that's pretty consistent. Maybe it's not all that bad that they have this many conference losses. Maybe, but still, you, you, you're you going to have to get your RPIs into the 40s, I would think, to have a you know a real fighting chance of getting in. So we'll see. Yeah, I would definitely. I think, I think 
below 50 is a great starting point. If you can get below 40, now I don't know how really, I don't know if you have a shot to really get below 40 because. No, I'm talking about in the 40s. Yeah, yeah. But getting, so like getting to the 40s is where it becomes possible. And, but to be honest, I think that's probably about your ceiling. I just don't see, there are some good teams left on the schedule. Coastal's in there, but again, I don't see them going to Coastal and sweeping or, you know, so you're going to have to win 40 games like Coach Deggs talked about. And hopefully it's against the right combination of teams. And then, again, hopefully Louisiana Tech and some of the other teams, Rice, some of those other teams you played, finish out a little better and end up improving that number that right now. Like, again, the BYU series, when it happened, they swept them in four games. We said, this is going to be great. BYU's in the 200s, I think. So it hasn't helped you the way you thought it would. Because BYU was pretty good last year. You know, I don't know. That's a mess. The, The whole figuring out schedules and RPIs, I mean, if you're in the Big 12 or the SEC, you don't really have to worry about that ever. And I, I think the mentality was that because the Sun Belt had this really nice year RPI-wise last year and some teams and several teams in the top 20 or 30, and they were adding Southern Miss, who was in the top 20, uh, they were figuring, well, that'll take care of itself now. Well, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to play out that way. Take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111. Still got a few minutes left if you would like to get in. We've talked RPIs and colleges, you know, baseball and softball and such on this Monday after a holiday weekend where a lot of, you know, LSU didn't get all their games in in South Carolina and other teams did get them in. It, it, Cajun softball played all the way to yesterday on Easter, and they've got their games in, and they got their three wins. And, again, they're going to Baylor tomorrow, who, speaking of RPI, is at 19 last I checked. Then they play A&M on Wednesday on a Texas swing here, and the Aggies are 23rd, better than they normally are. And... Texas State, even though they got maybe more losses than we would would have predicted, still 39 in RPI. And so these this five-game Texas swing here is, is critical, uh, very, very, very important. And so we'll see how um, – if they can go 4-1 and one or 5-0, and oh, which who knows. I mean, we'll see. But if they go 4-1 and one or 5-0, and oh, they'll be really sitting pretty. I wonder what's – see, I still think as I, if I host, I just – I don't want to host as a 15 or a 16. I, I'd rather travel. But I know a lot of other people are not – don't think that way. Um, if I'm baseball, I don't – and they're not going to be in that situation. If baseball was in this situation, I maybe – 
be more, but I don't. I still don't. I don't want to host unless they're hosting 13 at the highest. Like, if they're not hosting as an 11 or 12 or maybe 13, I'd rather try. But that's just me. No, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the team. I don't ever want to travel, but that that that, that that's beside the point. So we'll see how it plays out. Still, still a lot of games to play. Still a lot of good RPI teams to play, including tomorrow's game at Baylor. Uh, you'll want to avoid the Oklahoma teams on the road. Um, if you get to that point, you just want to. Now, the flip side of that, you might be listening and you might say, look, it's been a long, long time since this team won a regional, so let's win a regional first. I get that. I could, I'm not saying I would totally dismiss that argument. I just wouldn't vote for that argument if I had a vote on that, which I don't, but just for conversation's sake. All right, so again, we'll be um, – we're just days away from being two weeks – from the NFL draft, so we'll be having more of that discussion. We did get a little NFL talk in today. Um, I thought less about the Brian Branch thing than I thought I was going to over the weekend, to tell you the truth, because that was like a bombshell that we got at the end of last week. I, I tried not to think much about it because there were a lot of there was a lot of other stuff going on this this past weekend, obviously. But um, Joey proclaimed it again today when he called. Uh, look, some not all safeties have to be Steve Atwater. I get that, but man, he just seems not real big to me. Now, smart is important. Smart is critical for a safety position. So. Would not shock me. I, I think, you know, I think, and I'm hoping, and look, I'm hoping, I was going to say I'm hoping to get Luke on in the next week or so, and I uh, normally he says yes, so I have faith that we'll be able to do that. But but even Luke, I don't know that Luke doesn't know. I mean, he has a maybe a more educated guest than we do, but nobody outside the room really knows what they're thinking in this, or what they're going to be discussing in the Saints draft room. And so we have this idea that maybe there's a slight f- philosophical change or how the Saints do. And to um, to Joey's point, it's not just even before Casper got here, even before Ireland joined the thing. Um, you know, the Saints have always been high on picking defensive ends especially with their and they had some good success with it you know one year there they didn't have a first round pick but their first pick was Darren Howard and he wasn't great but he was good um you know Cedric Ellis had some moments but didn't turn out to be good and Rankins and then going back to the Joe Johnson days and man the Wayne Martin my Wayne Martin nickname has not gone over uh at all so that needs to change um but but going back to Wayne Martin remember being at that draft way back when and when was that 88 I think when they drafted Wayne Martin and um I remember we said who what they did what because he wasn't a high profile guy but turned out to be a great pick and so they've had a lot of success 
on especially the offensive line, but on the offensive and defensive line. So the MO is that's what they're going to do again. But we have this thought process out there that they might have a little bit of a philosophical change. We'll see if that happens. So it, Again, I know not everybody is as fascinated with the draft and what the thinking process is as I am, but I, I know a lot of you are as well. And so it, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. They have uh, never been shy about trading up. I can't believe there's going to be a lot of players that they would trade up for, but there might be one or two. And, uh, you know, it's I haven't even looked at the schedule, like what else is going on that night. I know the SEC plays a lot of Thursday games, but outside of Easter, the Sun Belt typically doesn't. Um, I'm NBA hoping there's nothing else going on that night. Yeah, you, you might have NBA playoffs, but I don't expect the Pelicans to be a part of it at that point. Yeah. You, you, you're. No, I don't think the Pelicans would be a part of it. But, no, yeah, you're right. NBA playoffs might be something. Man, that was um, – I don't, you know, again, I don't even know what to say. What do you even say about the Pelicans in this? There's, there's nothing other than just to go, ah. Uh, I mean, what else? There is nothing to say. I'm sure, uh, you know, our friend Nick is like, he's done. Like, he's just done. Just lose and get it over with. And I'm sure he's not alone. It's just been, it's been a rough emotional roller coaster. All right. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day. Mm-hmm.